Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Shabbat Shalom. As uh, soon-to-be Dr. Elisa Norman talking about Parashat Vaishlach, that it's like an onion. There's so much in this parasha that we can talk about this parasha for maybe 24-7 and still we have some material to talk and discuss about. So thank you for that word. She's probably busy with the children now, by now, with the name Mitzvah. You know, I've, I've been asked by Rabbi David Schiller to have PowerPoint. And I don't do it because maybe I will ask for your prayers about it. Because I've had a kind of traumatic experience in the past where there was a prominent messianic rabbi using PowerPoint. And he was telling a joke from the PowerPoint. You know, and you know, any joke has a punchline. So the punchline was already there. And everybody, all the crowd was there on halt in order to laugh at the end of the punchline that he was reading slowly from the PowerPoint. And on top of those, the jokes were terrible. <laughs> on top of that. So since then, I have a kind of a, how can you say it? A mental blockage, how do you say it in America? Oh, I'm blocked mentally. It's not the issue of, uh, of anything else. Not uh, like I'm not that good in technology. I'm not like superior in t- technology. But please pray for me if you want to have PowerPoint. But, <laughs> but if I spoke about jokes, let, let's, uh, let's start with a joke. Three Yiddish mothers were talking about how much their sons love them. So one, uh, one mother said, oh, My son loves me so much. Every Shabbat he delivers flowers to me. And the other one, Yeah, you call it love. What's the mices? What are you talking about? Every morning my son calls me and tells me how magnificent of a mother I am. And the third mom said, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Every day, my son is, every five days in a week, he's doing therapy. And the only person that he speaks about during that therapy is me. (laughs) So, let's focus on Parashat Vaishlach. It's a great... And a very important parasha to digest and to look at all the pers- and many sort of perspective of it and dimensions. We see Yaakov is about to uh, meet a person that was in the back of his mind for the last 21 years in his diaspora. For all those years that he labored for Laban, Lavan, raised a family. He had one enemy in mind. It was Esav. And Esav was not 
an enemy that chose to be an enemy. It's, a, it's an enemy that Yaakov, Jacob, made it to become his enemy because of the mistakes of his youth. Like many of us, in later age in our lives, we need to confront with injustice that we have done in our past, especially in the times that we did some injustice things to others in our youth. Just uh, today, this week, I read the news, a 97-year-old German woman was court-martialed for being a secretary in the times that she was a teenager in a concentration camp. 97 years old. She tried to get away from court with running away with taxi. Eventually they captured her. Imagine to yourself trying to run away in this age. But now she has to stand before the judge for something that she has done many, many years ago. We're talking about 75 years ago. Most of us are looking in the past and I'm sure that we regret about things that we have done in our teenage lives especially. The book of Bereshit, chapter 8, verse 5. After the Lord received an offering from Noah after the flood and forgave the human race. It's written in verse 21. A city. And when the Lord smelled a pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, actually in Hebrew it's El Libo, towards his heart. That's very interesting. I will never again curse the ground because of men, for the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. So the Lord determined our nature is evil. Yaakov, in his youth, in his young life, the ambitious Yaakov, he coveted something that does not belong to him. And he bought it. He, he bought the eldership of Esav with a lentil stew. He did his best to please his mother that loved him instead of pleasing God and cooperated with her to cheat his blind father, take advantage, took advantage of his father's blindness in order to steal the blessing that his father intended to give to Esav. So here he is, older, 21 years older, aware of the fact that he's about to lose everything that he worked so hard for in 21 years because of his behavior in the past. 
A behavior that caused his brother to hate him and to be angry with him. Of course, we see the qualities of Yaakov. His administrative skills trying to somehow save himself as part of what he earned. How many of us doing it? When we are in front of a crisis, we are doing our best to minimize costs, to minimize damage. He tried to minimize damage. That was his personal desire to minimize damage. If one camp will be destroyed, the other camp can run away. And lo and behold, in all those plans that Yaakov has in mind, had in his mind, in the middle of the night, he's by himself. How good sometimes is to be by ourselves with all the plans that we have and all the fears that we have to be by ourselves and he meet an unplanned night meeting with this foreigner. With a foreigner that fights him all night. And what is interesting about the whole parasha, the most interesting event, is that Yaakov, after that he had been injured by that mysterious ish, mysterious man, he didn't let him go and he asked him to bless him. That's uh, interesting. As a person that uh, loved to see boxing, especially Muay Thai boxing, I'm an admirer of uh, Buakau Benchmark. He's a Thai boxer. He he's a, you know, the Thai people are very small people. But boy, when they lift their, head, their legs, unbelievable. I mean, each one of us, if we will try to do it, we will get an immediate hernia. <laughs> and we'll, we're going to be on the floor for a long time. But it's unbelievable. But I've never seen a boxing match when a defeated boxer asked the winner to bless him. Never seen anything like that. But we see Yaakov. We see Yaakov holding that person. Do not let him go. Ask him to bless him. It is clear, or as we say in Spanish, claro, that whoever reads these verses, those verses are speak about a very unique person, not a regular person. And though it seems that this struggle was something that was the last thing that Yaakov wanted, with all the fears that he had in his mind, with all the plans that he had, with all everything is on the stake, he's about to meet the person that he is afraid of for 21 years. It seems to be that that was the only, the last thing that he needed. But actually, from the word, we understand that that was exactly what Yaakov needed. He needed that struggle. He needed that battle. He needed it the most. The same person 
came in the, in the right time to the right place in order that from that moment on, from that meeting, Yaakov will enter to his destiny that the Lord have predestined to him to live in the land of Canaan and to raise his promise that Yaakov will return to the land and will multiply and be blessed in it. The reaction of Yaakov shows us that he, Yaakov, saw something in that man that he hasn't seen in any other person that he ever met. But the question that I want to ask today is a little bit different. Why did it happen? Why suddenly that person came in from the middle of nowhere? I believe that this person is the Mashiach. I believe that most of you do believe in that. And fought with Yaakov. Let's make the question even more deeper. Deeper. Why do, does the Lord create those situations of struggling with him? It's not the first time that it happened. You see it with other people. To send an old man to the Mount of Moriah or to the land of Moriah to find the right mountain. Definitely it is a fight over the mental of an old man to sacrifice his son. So in a way the Lord tested Abraham and also fought with him. Abraham was fighting with himself. Definitely. Can you imagine to yourself the thoughts and the fights that he had in his heart? When he took Yitzchak to bind him and to sacrifice him to the Lord. Or the desire of the Lord to kill the son of Moshe. Here the Lord sent Moshe to say let my people go. And when Moshe is on the way to, <laughs> to fulfill the Lord's will. The Lord wants to kill his son. And the only thing that prevents him is that Zipporah took a flint and did circumcision to her son. That's mind-boggling. Why should you fight the person when he is on the way to do your will? Why should you fight Yaakov? He's on the way to the land of Canaan. He could run somewhere else from Lavan. Nobody returned to the land of Canaan. He returned to confront eventually sooner or later Esau. But why did he have to fight with him? Why do you have to do that? There's many, many answers to that. But I realized that there are several conclusions. I came to two conclusions. Two plus, let's call it a two plus. Okay. The first conclusion that I came to, we can read it from the book of Romans, chapter, five, chapter 8, I'm sorry, verse 28. <speaking in Hebrew> 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, what's so good about the Lord fighting with Yaakov and virtually made him a limp forever? Back in the days, in that ancient times, if a man, two men will have dispute, if two men will have dispute and they are wanted to go to a fight with each other, it will be very noble for two men to stand on both feet before one kill the other. I believe that the Lord intentionally, on purpose, made Yaakov walking, limping to his brother in order to cause two things. First, Esav was a leader of 400 armed men. Okay, he was their leader. It will be inappropriate for him to kill somebody that is limping, somebody that looks very weak. They will talk behind his shoulder. They say, hey, you killed the man that was like wimp. He didn't fight with you. You're just... Secondly, I believe that the Lord broke Yaakov in order to bring the mercy of his brother Esav. And you see it in the scripture when Yaakov offered the, the offering to Esav. He said, I have enough. And remember what he said? I have enough, my brother. Esav, he stared by, by looking at Yaakov walking limping to him, it steered the mercy of a brother to her brother. So I believe that it sounds terrible. The Lord hurt Yaakov, but all things turned from good. From that point, it was immediate that from there, Yaakov was spared. Was spared to be killed by Esav, and he moved to the land of Canaan. We see it also through the story of the binding. It was also immediate when the Lord saw that, Esa, that Abraham is willing, really is willing to sacrifice his tzach, the Lord stopped him from doing so and restored him and moved him towards the promises that he has promised. Actually, he reinforced the promises. Further to that, as a side note from those events, we see a deeper understanding that points towards Yeshua. When in Isaac bindings, in Isaac binding, there was a substitute. Let's talk a little bit about the word substitute. There was a substitute. The ram was a substitute of Yitzchak. The ram was caught in a thicket, thorns. And then we see Yeshua on the tree, on the cross. We see him also with a thorn around his head. He is our lamb. It was a substitute. It, from Genesis 22, we see 
a deeper picture from that struggle from that test we see a deeper understanding of Yeshua and also here we see a substitute Yeshua is into substitute he died on the tree in order that we will have life he died poor in order that we will be rich in him he died naked in order that we will be wearing clothes of righteousness and I believe that here in this parasha Yeshua fought with Yaakov as a substitute and he said instead of you fighting Esav you fight me again he was the substitute When I looked at this parasha and I saw that the way that the Lord turned things to good, He turned things to good. In the case of Yaakov, it was immediate. In all the other cases, in, all, in some other cases that the Lord turned good, the people are going through suffering. It is impossible, and Rabbi David Schiller spoke about it. It is unrealistic not to go through th suffering in this life. It is unrealistic. And here we see that the people that the Lord promised them, and some of the people that the Lord struggled with them, they went through suffering. But when He came to the end of that battle with them when he broke them this is where he unleashed the person to his destiny in the case of Yaakov it was that night that things turned to good of course later in life Yaakov went through a lot of crises he went through the crisis with Dina his daughter he went through, of course, a major cross crisis that thinking about that his son is dead for years. It's a terrible thought. I don't want to even imagine that thought. But eventually all those things even turned to good. All those events. In the case of, and if I want to speak, I want to speak a little bit about Yaakov he suffered also 21 years he built a family but he suffered he, he suffered also from the consequences of what he has done in the past he deceived his father and he thought that he's the only wise guy out there but eventually he was deceived by Laban and if you think about it Rebecca also was a little bit decept deceptive it looks like the, they were born they were made from the same trunk if you say it they were very deceptive, Lavan and Rivka. So he suffered, he raised the family, but he suffered 20, 21 years until the turn point. There is more dimensions into events where the Lord is turning things to good. Before I move to the other dimension, I want to emphasize and to look into the uh, 
resemblance, the amazing resemblance between Yaakov and his son, Yosef. Both of them, they had administrative skills. That's amazing. Both of them, both of, both of them dreamt dreams that became true. And they had the ability to interpret those dreams. In the, say, in the case of Yaakov, he interpreted the dreams, his dream, and he won all the flock of Lavan, his father-in-law. And in the case of Yosef, he knew how to interpret the dreams of the people, the minister of uh, the baker minister and the, the drinks minister in Egypt. He knew how to interpret the dreams. Both of them married women that were not in their birthplace. Both of them died in Egypt and both of their bodies were mummified. Both of their bodies also were brought back to the land of Canaan. And something very significant that is connected to this parasha. Both of them met a mysterious person that moved them to their destiny. Yosef was sent by his father to check out about them, about his brothers. Probably Yaakov knew that they, were, they had a little bit of a disease called sluggerness. By the way, the Bible never speaks good about being slugger or lazy. Everything it has to be negative, so forget about being lazy if you are a believer, by the way. But in the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verse 15, it's written, Yosef was on the way to find his brothers. He couldn't find them. Couldn't find them. But then it's written there. So think about that. Have you ever been lost somewhere? And out of the blue, like, you know, and somebody comes and it has to be somebody really polite to come and say, may I help you, sir? Something like that. But it's going to be much rare if you're in the middle of a plane in Israel and somebody will approach you and say, what do you want? What? And he didn't say, who are you looking for? May I help you? The man, that ish, that man, there is no name, nothing. That ish says, what do you ask for? And a certain man. See, the, ver the, uh, the KJV Bible says this. I'm into uh, doing devotion with the KJV, King James Version, for the first time in my life. And it's very interesting with all the thou and thou, thou shalt not. And it's beautiful, just beautiful experience. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, what seeketh thou? That's an example for the... For the KJV. KJV. What seeketh thou? So imagine yourself without that man, Joseph would probably go, go back to his father and say, hey, I couldn't find your sons. And most likely there will be no story that Joseph will be brought down to Egypt, going through jail. Through suffering, 
being a prisoner, was a, being a slave, being a false you accuser, accused, in many cases almost died. And then overnight, he became number two over all Egypt. And we know the story. Without that man. So again, there is another dimension here. Yosef met that man, that mysterious man. And he suffered and suffered and suffered for many years from the age of 17 to 30. Suffered. But eventually, the Lord turned things upside down. We look in another dimension. The suffering of the Jewish people. Eventually we see, if we throw our eyes to the future through the word. Eventually we see that the people of Israel will come to redemption. They will come to redemption after the destruction of two temples. Of course, they messed it up, the people of Israel, my people. Long time in diaspora. Two diasporas. One for 70 years, one for 2,000 years. The book of Micha, Micah, chapter 6, verse 2 says... For the Lord hath controversy with his people. And he will plead with Israel. So you see that on, there's another dimension that the Lord have this fight with his own people. Fight with them through all the time of history in order to bring eventually Israel to their destiny. The same man, Ish, I believe that he's the Messiah Yeshua, have a fight even with the nation of Israel until today. But eventually everything, immediately, in an instant. In the case of Yaakov, instant. He was forgiven by Esav. In the case of Yosef, instant. He became number two of Egypt. Just resolved one dream. He said to Pharaoh, oh, appoint a person that will... Run the economy. He said, no, you're the man. You're the man. I'll change your name to Tzafnat Pa'aneach. Get to work. Be number two. All right? And here we see when we're looking in the future. Psalm 126. One of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Veshuv Adonai et Shivat Sion. היינו כחולמים, אז ימלא שחוק פינו, בלשוננו רינה, אז יאמרו בגויים, בגויים, הגדיל אדוני לעשות עם אלה, הגדיל אדוני לעשות עמנו, היינו שמחים. שובה אדוני את שבותנו, כאפיקים בנגב הזורעים בדמעה, ברינה יקצורו. הלוך ילך ובכו, נושא משך הזרע, בו יבוא ורינה, נושא עלומותיו. When the Lord restores the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. 
So there's going to be a fight. There's a fight until now about the heart of this nation to get them in the destiny. But when it happened, it will happen when Israel will be broken and look up to heavens and say, Adonai Azolanu. It will be like a dream. All this misery, all this pain, because Israel will enter in an instant to their destiny. Our mouths were filled with laughter and tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the Goyim, among the nation, among the Amim, the Lord has done great things for, uh, for them. It will be a testimony. It will be a testimony. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. You know that song? Don't give me an opportunity to be in worship team. <laughs> so, I love that song. Those who, those who suffer, eventually they'll rip with joy. One day, and there's many verses that confirm, the Lord will do great things. First, it will be, it is a struggle. The Lord have lived with Amor. He has a struggle. But eventually, He will turn all things to good. While the ultimate, the ultimate event that we are all waiting for is the resurrection. The resurrection. Uh, I hear a lot of lectures, especially now it's fascinating to hear lectures and, in uh, the social media. I hear a lot. Uh, it's, it's beautiful what happens now with a lot of uh, people that used to be uh, uh, professors confined into universities. And now they speak out in social media. It's just fascinating to, to digest all this information. And I like to, uh, to hear uh, lectures, especially from people who are analysts, the Middle East analysts. It's, uh, they are great, great professor like more professors like Mordechai Kedar. He speaks, he doesn't speak in Hebrew, he's fluent in Hebrew, he doesn't speak in English, I'm sorry. He's fluent in Hebrew and Arabic, but not in English. I haven't heard him speaking English, but it's fascinating to hear him. But through all this, all this conversation, and he's a, an Orthodox Jew, uh, but to, through all this conversation, when, when people interview him, and they are talking about... You, you hear that so many Israelis don't believe in the end days. They don't believe that it, it, it will never happen. It's, a, it's something that is unimaginary. And they are talking about that the Messiah has to be a lunatic to come back to this mess that is called the Middle East. Or the mess people that are called Israel. It's sad to hear that. It's really sad. And uh, I'm boggled with that. I'm boggled with that fact. Because just 70 years ago, not that long ago, some people in this room probably lived in through this time, okay? That Israel be, has been independent, become independent when people came from all over the world.
world. How did the Lord preserve people for 2,000 years and brought them back to the same point? It's something that never happened in the global history. Never been happening. Never happened that people that were dispersed all over the globe came back to the same spot that they came from. It's unheard of. How can people, how can the Israelis think like that? And one time I had a very sad conversation with an Israeli woman that said, God does not exist because of the Holocaust. And I've been thinking, you know, was she, uh, was she okay with herself to sit down at the Seder table? Why did I bring the Seder table? Because eventually the Lord brought the people and, and brought them from slavery to, to freedom. But he was very silent when kids were thrown to the Nile. Probably hundreds of thousands of babies were thrown to the Nile and the Lord was quiet. But then there was a moment of redemption. Then was a moment of resurrection. If you can look at it from the Tanakh perspective and it will throw us to the future. There will be a day, I believe in all my heart, there will be the day of the resurrection. And even those people that died in the Holocaust, that were murdered in the Holocaust, not just in the Holocaust, but before then, people were murdered, Jewish people were murdered. There will be the resurrection and we will stand before our judge that will judge the people fairly and will bring all things to good. Brothers and sisters, if we don't believe in the resurrection, we are wasting our time. We are really wasting our time. If we don't hold in the resurrection, you know, we are uh, 15 days from the apparent birthday of Yeshua. Apparent birthday. It's okay. I'm not here to hurt anyone's feelings. I always say... The, uh, if somebody says, oh, well, there was a born on uh, December 25th. I said, there is a chance of one to 365 that he did was born in that day. <laughs> but this, is, uh, this argument will not lead us somewhere as much as we're going to have to focus on the argument and the debate talking about the resurrection of the Messiah, of the resurrection because if we don't have the resurrection in our faith, what is it? It's going to be just, we're going to be just a club here. So we better focus on his resurrection, on the things to come after all the struggle of the Lord, that he will turn all things to good. And all of that dependent on the resurrection. Of course, his resurrection, his resurrection will bring the major resurrection. And we are all supposed to pray about it and look and pray for that day to happen. After all the suffering that we're suffering, the most ultimate, wonderful thing that we have is resurrection with him forever. The second thing that I want to focus on today, and I hope I have enough time. I don't see any clock. It's, it's dangerous now. I'm in a dangerous zone. I don't know the time, how much time I have. There used to be a clock time over there. It's not there, Robin. 
Rabbi Schiller. Aha. What's the time? 12? Aha. All right. So I have 40 more minutes. <laughs> the second thing that I want to focus on is the blessing. Yes, there is a great mystery here in this parashat Vaishlach. Yaakov held in pain. He held this mysterious man. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Part of the blessing that is revealed to us is that the name of Yaakov was changed. From Yaakov to Israel. Okay, and the Lord gave them the reason why he changed his name to Israel. That is very interesting because, you know, there is a rabbinical teaching that in the name Israel, all the names of the patriarchs is there. You know, Yud for Yitzchak, Sin, the letter Sin for Sarah, Resh for Rachel, Aleph for Avraham, and Lamed for Leah. It looks even good in, 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 in English, Israel. Isaac, Sarah, Rachel, Rivka. I'm sorry, I didn't mention Rivka. Rachel, Rebecca, Abraham, and Leah. That's interesting. I like this uh, teaching. Also, the names of Avraham. Avraham was changed to Avraham and Sarai to Sarah. It's part of the blessing in order to move all those people to their destiny. But the rest of the blessing is not mentioned. Did you pay attention to this? It, it doesn't say. It says, That's it. Didn't say, not a beautiful blessing like his father said to him. Oh, you're going to get from the dew of the heavens and from the oil of the... Nothing. Just it says, That's it. There's no details. This is not the first time that the Lord is doing it. There is a mystery in some blessings in the Bible. The first mystery is Shabbat. The day of Shabbat. The Lord rested in that day and he blessed the day of Shabbat. Did you pay attention? There were no details about it. First of all, how could the Lord bless a day? That's a mystery by itself. And what did he say? How did he bless that day? There's a mystery. Probably it will be one of my questions when I'm going to be with him. Lord, how did you bless the day of Shabbat? It's a mystery. Genesis, the book of Bereshit, chapter 2, verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. In the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 50, Yeshua after the resurrection, who hotziotam ad bet anya, nasait yadavu vercham. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. We don't know. What did exactly did he bless? Some people come with theories. Oh, it was the Aaronic benediction. No. In all those, those cases, and including this parasha, there is a blessing. There is bracha and a mystery. Not revealed to us. As it's written in the book of the Deuteronomy 30, as much as I remember. I didn't write it in my notes. The hidden is for the Lord and the revelations or revealed is to us and to our sons. 
I'm very curious about that. It is a mystery. But the most important thing for us to remember, it's not the content of the blessing. It's to really receive it. When somebody tells you the Lord will bless you, you know that He will give you only the good. He will give you the good because He is good. Even if it's not known to us, we need to grasp and hold the good. So now the Lord blessed the day of Shabbat. You know, there are many brothers and sisters that are, they come from other denominations, Southern Baptists, and their brother, dear brothers and sisters. And they tell me, oh, well, since you are a believer in Yeshua, you need to eat in front of us a ham sandwich. And you need to forget about Shabbat and come and worship with us on Sunday. I've heard that. Yeah, you know, uh, you should work on Shabbat. It's a regular day. Now a Sunday is the day of the Lord. And I heard that. You know, it's, uh, it's sad to hear. Um, but I don't know. My personality, since I'm in, such an, in the face of people, I, I don't think I will agree to that. So... And of course, they claim that Shabbat is part of the covenant of Moshe. Which is true. Shabbat is the sign of the covenant of the Mosaic covenant. But Shabbat was here. We're talking about the Shabbat, the original Shabbat of Genesis. That was the original of all the Shabbats that we are going to experience until the, the day of the return of the Lord. And that day... And all the other days from that Shabbat of Genesis is blessed by the Lord. And I'm asking myself and others, people in the body, people who believe in God. Why can't you just enjoy the Shabbat? And just hold and cling into a blessed day to be blessed by yourself. Because automatically if you touch a place or touch something that the Lord blessed... You will be automatically blessed if you agree with it. It's so simple. It is so simple. I never, I, for me, I, I cannot understand how a person just can throw out a blessing. As my, my mechanic, my Cuban mechanic, Mr. Miguel used to say, he said, This is not normal. This is how he would say, This is not normal. Oh, Miguel. Yeah, let me talk with you a little bit, with a minute, a little bit about Miguel. Miguel was a, 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 he he was a person without a shop. He was a mechanic. Somebody introduced me to him. He was a mechanic that can come in 24-7 to wherever, to meet with you somewhere and to fix your car. I had a problem with the car and somebody said, oh, you better call Miguel. I didn't know who he is and I said, and I said, hello, Miguel. And we met somewhere in Plano. And, you know, in the beginning, I was very intimidated by him. He looks like an Italian gangster. He had this very, very... And he, he, anyway, his feet, it was intimidating. But then I realized, you know, he's like... Uh, he said, I heard you are Judeo. I heard you are Jewish. I said, yes, yes, I'm Jewish. He said, I'm half Judeo. My father is Judeo. 
My father is Jewish. And, and uh, you know, I have no idea. I had this van full of all those ratchets and all those things of mechanics. And it was unbelievable. He said, oh, don't worry. I, I have a shop in my mind. Everything is there, you know. And he fixed my car. <laughs> and I realized, you know... Uh, and then through this conversation, I did realize he's a, he's a really devoted Christian, actually. And he started to call me, you are Rabino, you are my Rabino, you are my Rabbi. And I was like, hey, I'm not a Rabbi, I'm just from Israel. You are from Israel. You are my Rabino, you are Rabbi, you are my Rabbi. I'll give you a discount. I know you Judeos love discount. You are my Rabino. It's hard to imitate him because my ribs got caught here. But anything, you know, and we start talking about life, about, and he's fixing my car. And he said, you know, that people, he's like fixing my stuff, my car. And he's like, he said, I know a lot of things of the Bible. I know. And he's like, oh, he has, uh, my goodness, he was like maybe 60, 65. Now he's retired in Florida. But this guy, 65, with so much energy. And he also showed me his Bible full of highlights. And, and I said, I know so much things from the Bible. And then, you know, I tell you something about people. That this is their time. They're not normal. They're not normal. They're looking at Facebook all the time. They're thinking all the time about sex. This is not normal. <laughs> this, is, this is how Miguel is. So, and anyway, that was an experience, I must say. And you know, sometimes I like to observe people and just to look at them and try to read their mind. It, it was unbelievable. And he said, you know, you pay me lunch. I will show you from the Bible things that only a billion people, only one out of billion people know from the Bible. Let they just pay me lunch and I'll do that. Okay, never mind. He, he didn't show me that thing yet because I didn't pay him lunch. <laughs> no, you judios, you don't want to pay that much money. So, by the way, so it's not normal not to receive a blessing. And by the way, about meeting like characters like Miguel, okay? You know, I just want to speak a little bit about evangelism. If you want to be really to meet interesting characters in the street... I want to encourage you to join us for evangelism because we are praying about doing some street evangelism. It will be one of the phases. It will be fascinating thing for you to see how people react to the gospel. And you'll meet unbelievable characters like Miguel or even more crazy than that. Lovely and crazy, I would say. Interesting. I know you're probably paying so much for being entertained sometimes, but believe me, if you're going to go and share the good news, you'll be like, you will see characters. You will be, of course, you'll see some people getting upset. You'll see some people going, throwing leaflets. You will see some people that react with love, but you also will see characters. And you'll be looking like that and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. Believe me. So I want to encourage you to take part in evangelism. Okay, there's also, we need volunteers to help with logistics. So if you are willing to help with logistics, and you're not, you're called to, to help with logistics, you don't feel you're called to be an evangelist or rich, please volunteer. Uh, please communicate, uh, Earl, is he here today? Or Dan Bourne, who can even communicate with me, and say, hey, I would like to volunteer, I would like to help, okay? So... You know, and, and last week, 
Just last week, I spoke with somebody. Uh, we, I had actually a lunch, or I can call it dinner. It was a lunch that I reached almost to dinner with a, a person that uh, said that reaching in the streets is not biblical. And I'm like, uh, I didn't want to jump his throat theologically. I didn't want to do it, but in my mind I said, what? are you stealing something that will be really a great entertainment for me? Something that is so much fun, you know, to see people in the streets, unbelievable. No, don't take it away from me. So, let's return to it, the issue of the bracha. The blessing does not have to be specific, but just hold, just stick into it. If the Lord says, you're blessed, just believe in that. Grasp it. Hold it. Trust the Lord. I keep the Shabbat in order to enjoy it. In order to be blessed in it. I believe that I will be blessed just before keeping the Shabbat. Not to work in it. It's like a man, I see myself as a man in the middle of the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, someone, someone throw me in the ocean, and then I see a boat, a big boat with a rope hanging there in the ocean. And you have the opportunity to grasp that rope. If you hold that rope, it will lead you eventually to safety. If you hold the rope of the blessing of Shabbat, it will lead you to a places of blessings that it will be unimaginable. And everything that the Lord bless, just grasp into it. Believe in His blessings. Believe in His promises. It is a privilege to struggle with God. Actually, the Lord invites you to struggle with Him. Do you know that? The Lord invites you to struggle with Him. Don't be ashamed to speak to the Lord and say your heart. Actually, the Lord is your best friend. Think about it. Think about your best friend. Can you really, your best friend can really tolerate you if you reveal to him, to him or her who really you are? I don't think so. I don't think so. So, but the Lord is your best friend. You can wake up at 3 a.m. and talk to him, and he will listen to you. He's your best friend. And even if you struggle with him, and, you know, and also you came to know the Lord, uh, yeah, and I know all of you in the, in the crowd here, since you came to know the Lord, you stopped sinning. Mm -hmm. He knows your mess. He knows that you are a mess, but he's still your friend. He wants to be your best friend. And even if you fight him, he'll still be your friend and talk to you and move you to your destiny. I will conclude with one of the verses that the most amazing verses in the Bible. From the book of Hosea, the book of Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Lechu el Adonai ki hu taraf Come, let us return unto the Lord. 
For he hath torn, and he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days, will he revive us? In the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain. Yoreu malkush. Unto the earth. Abba Shabbat Shemaim, we thank you Lord for this Shabbat. We thank you Lord for your presence Lord. We bless your name Lord. Lord, all of us, Lord, looking, Lord, for the gathering of all your sons and daughters. Come, come up, worship team. And for that day, Lord, of the Tchiyah, Lord. Lord, you have struggle. You have dispute with your people. But, Lord, we know one thing. We know that you always win. And Lord, we know that we, if we met, might have a struggle with you, Lord, when it happens, Lord, we know, Lord, that when you are breaking us, you make us to be more like the image of Yeshua, the Messiah. And Lord, you're moving us to the destiny that you have predestined to us. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We bless your name that we can turn to the image of Yeshua, the Messiah, your son, through being broken. We bless your name. Amen. Amen.